most um, creator campaigns will include paid media amplification. So that is a huge trend. And that also means that creator content is a driving force behind social ad spending altogether. Hey, Jasmine, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Alessandro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm very happy. You know, you are well known in the industry. I know that you have a, a lot of data and insight to share with us. So I'm quite curious to go, you know, like, you know, in all the questions that I have for you today. But before we get started, like, you know, in, in, in depth, you know, questions about the industry, um, I, I'm, I'm doing these new things, you know, with new guests on. Uh, so to, you know, tell a bit more about, you know, yourself. And I, I like now to use this new structure that is called MAP. And basically, it's divided in three different ways, right? So it's the mission, the achievements, and the purpose, right? So the first one is, uh, like, what do you want to achieve with what you do, right? The second is, like, any notable milestones in your career or life that you would like to share. And the last one is the purpose. So why do you do what you do? Um, not an easy question, but I'll, I'll, give, it a, I'll give it a shot. Um, in terms of what I want to achieve, I, I think big picture thinking, um, I'd like to have an impact. And I think... That's what's drawn me to social media. It's also what's drawn me to the job that I'm in because both of these things give me a platform to to try and do that. Um, in terms of milestones, I think one of the biggest ones for me um, happened, you know, pretty recently. Actually, my career has kind of taken off over for, over the past year and a half or so. Um, I studied journalism, and ever since I was a kid, I really wanted to A, be in the New York Times, um, and B, be on American TV news, and both of those things have um, happened um, in the last year or so. And then purpose, um, I'm a storyteller, and again, I think that's another reason why I love social media. Um, it is this intersection of people, of society, of business, of, of commerce, um, and of politics, all of these things in one. And I like to tell the stories um, there. And I think it's a perfect re reflection of what's really going on um, in society at large. Does that work? Amazing. <laughs> you did a great job. Absolutely. And congratulations for your achievements. And I have a couple of questions about like, you know, live TV and everything. I'm going to ask you a bit later. Uh, and so you already said a bit, you know, about like, you know, going from like, you know, you started journalism and you got into social media, you already said a bit ab about that. But uh, was like anything else in there that made you be like, okay, I really want to choose this specific, like, you know, um, you know, category and industries or social media, the creator economy, influencer marketing. Was there like something that happened during your career that made you be like, okay, I want to go 100% on these? Well, it sort of happened by accident, but I think the other piece that drew me to it is that I'm, I'm a bit of a research nerd, a lot of a research nerd. Um, and I like working with data and with numbers and using that to tell a story. I, I am of the firm belief, though, that data only tells part of the story and you need to add some context around it, which is why I you know, love writing and telling um, these stories with all of that in intertwined into one. But I would say, you know, I kind of fell into it accidentally, um, but it was a happy accident. And um, I've been, you know, using social media since Facebook became Facebook. So it kind of just fit, fit perfectly with the with what I wanted to do. And and since you said that, like, you know, you, you love like do research, right? And and pretty sure that you spend a lot of like time during the day. I'm quite curious, like, what does your typical day look like? Like, do you wake up? What is it the first thing? Is it social media? These uh, newsletters? It is personal emails? Like, let me be more like breaking down the day for me to understand and for the audience, like, uh, 
you know, to get to a report that this is what happens during like a typical day or a week or a month? Well, I don't have a typical day. I think every day is a little right. bit different. Um, you know, social media moves so quickly. I feel like there is so much noise. There is something happening almost every single day. So it'll depend a little bit on that. But if I'm working on a report, I, a lot of my time is is spent researching. So thinking about sort of the report cycle that I'm in, um, it takes a couple of weeks, I think, you know, to actually get the report together. Anywhere between, I would say, two to six weeks, depending on the length of the report and the depth of the research. But the whole first chunk of time is really spent going through um, not only newsletters and, and the news, but really looking in deeply into different data sources. I spend a lot of time in Excel and, and trying to make sense of, you know, all of the numbers and comparing different data sets to, to put all of that together um, and, and finding interesting stories from there. Um, but if I'm not on, on a work site or on a report cycle and, you know, something happens in the news, um, my days, you know, can be spent talking to reporters, um, putting together quotes for the press. And I would say that in terms of no matter what I'm working on, the very first thing I do is check my email um, to see what has happened um, and check the news to see if there's anything that I need to or, or want to be commenting on that day. What is like the process there? Do you have like you know some sources that you talk to, or there are like you know places like let's say you know like Discord channels, things like that. Sometimes that you also like look at, or because you might not really know those people. In your case, it's like you know I don't, I don't know if I can get like you know those data since you know unless I really verify everything and so on. So a lot of stories that I write, or pretty much all the stories that I write, are very data driven. So I tend to pull a lot of those stories directly from the data that I see, and then I go confirm that with what's actually going on in in the real world. Um, so sometimes you'll you'll see a data set where you're seeing a trend like TikTok is really rising in time spent, but then you want to go out and actually talk to people and see what's actually going on there. Um, sometimes, of course, you know there are stories that come directly from things that I've seen in the news. Um, and then it will go the other way and I'll go, okay, does the data support this? Um, but generally, you know, I'll start with the data and, and go from there and, and confirm whatever hypothesis I've made from what I've seen. And, and from like, you know, from the research and then there is like the reporting. And then after that is also like sharing right on social media. So when you like yourself a reporter, you said that you were on Facebook, you know, like since the beginning of Facebook and everything, so I'm pretty sure that you saw it like changing a lot. What is like you know, your relationship right now with social media? Like, do you use it mostly to distribute the content or also to get either feedback or like thinking about like new stories to work on, for instance? Uh, uh, like, what, what is your approach there? Yeah, so I have started taking a lot to LinkedIn. I'd say that's probably my primary social platform right now. I don't know. I know, Alessandra, you're also active on LinkedIn. I don't know if yes. you say the same. Yes. <laughs> um, but we're also Instagram friends. So you know that I love Instagram. Um, and and I, I mean, I use a variety of, of different different platforms. I'd say my relationship has sort of changed over time. But it's what's been really fascinating for, for me to watch is the relationship that younger generations have with social media versus the kind of relationship I grew up with in, in social. Right. For us, it was really new. It was exciting. It was revolutionary. Um, and it was a way to sort of connect not only to your immediate group, but to a larger group. And in the beginning, it felt 
you know, it still felt very exclusive and niche when you think about the beginnings of Facebook because it was only college students or would be college students who were allowed. Of course, that's not the case anymore. It is, you know, it's public. Um, and seeing this shift now, particularly with younger people, where many of them are preferring to, you know, talk in group chats or, or in DMs over public broadcasting, it really reminds me of those early days of, of social media. And it's been this really fascinating shift. And in a way, it's kind of a devolution um, in terms of how, how social media is, is changing. And yeah, that made me remember, like, you know, back in the days with MSN and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a you know, throwback. Uh, the first, like, you know, times on the internet where everyone was really, like, you know, just private. And then I do remember that before messages uh, on Facebook was a thing. I don't know if you remember, but we uh, tried to, like, you know, we exchanged messages, like private messages on each other's feeds. And sometimes yeah. I'm looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? We're just exchanging messages like publicly like that, you know, without caring about privacy because I, it was not a thing, you know. And the worst part is Facebook likes to remind you about those. <laughs> They'll say on this day in 2006, you said this. And I'm yes. like, oh, God, <laughs> cringe. That's <laughs> why I, I cringe every day when I go back to my memories. I still expect them all the time. I'm like, what, what was I thinking? But I think it's interesting like, to, to go back and look what was it before also to understand what could be right the future sometimes of social media. So we're going to also like, you know, discuss a bit more what is happening right now in a second. But if on the one side you are on social media, again, we say like, you know, specifically LinkedIn, right? Where you can basically really like, you know, you can, you know, think about your posts, you can edit as you like, you can take some of the time. On the other side, instead, you as a guest, you know, commentator of like, you know, Bloomberg TV and CBS News and NBC News and many others, instead that is like your live TV, right? So it's different, right? How, how, how do you prepare for those? And again, how is this different, of course, you know, compared to maybe a more, I would say, uh, you know, polished, uh, maybe a presentation of yourself that again, on social media, you can really choose whatever while on, on, on live TV can be like different things at the same time and, and so on. So I, first of all, I, how did you get in there? Like, did you, did you sort of like, you know, prepared yourself to do something like that? It's not easy for sure. And then now that we're like, what did you learn compared to social media when it comes to like me? In terms of whether I was prepared, I, I did, I studied journalism, um, broadcast journalism in particular. So I did have some training, but I will say I kind of just threw myself onto TV the first time and, and, and hoped for the best. And we, I, it was, it went well, it's gone better ever since. But I think some of the biggest differences um, between, you know, social media posting and, and TV spots, as well as report writing is number one, the audience. Um, when I'm writing a report, I'm writing primarily to a marketing and advertising audience, really trying to help them to understand how to use social media to make better business decisions. So a lot of my writing is, is geared toward that. On TV, it tends to be a more general public audience. Um, and on social media, because I use a lot of LinkedIn, it's still professionals, but they're not necessarily within the marketing and advertising realm, but they want to learn. Um, and so figuring out how to gear the content that I produce to each of those different audiences is always a, a, a number one step for me. On top of that, it's the, the delivery, right? So if I'm writing a report, I have a lot more word count, a lot more space to be able to get really granule, granular and explain things thoroughly to the audience. Social media usually is just a snippet of the stuff that I, I have put into, into my report. And of course, I'll, I'll change some of the language. I'll change some of the text, you know, to be able to really sort of resonate with the audience that I'm gearing it towards. On TV, the time is super limited. I mean, these spots only take a few minutes. 
Um, and you have to be really snappy. You have to be able to get that message across um, quickly, um, smartly, but also in a really sort of snappy way so that it resonates. So I think that those would be those would be some of the, the biggest differences between that. Hello, is your brand ready to amplify its reach? Well, the Influencer Marketing Factory is here to do just that. We are a global influencer marketing agency helping brands ignite their growth from influencer identification to campaign strategy, handling legalities and agreements to managing shipping and logistics. We have it all covered. We work with hundreds of brands across different verticals from Fortune 500 companies to DTC brands. And we don't just stop there. With detailed ROI analysis, we help brands like yours measure success, transforming impressions into actionable conversions. You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or just search the Influencer Marketing Factory on Google. It's challenging, right? To try to put everything that you have in your head in like 30 seconds uh, as you get to the point, right? Uh, um, and it's so I, I'm pretty sure that it takes a bit of time, right, to, to, to get there. And it's also for me like you know, fascinating how the same message changes like, you know, with the medium, right, all the time. So it's not just about the audience, but it, it, as you said, it's how you package everything. Uh, so, so it's quite fascinating that you're doing like, you know, uh, the social media, right? But also like the live TV and also like the reporting. So it, all the time can be similar concepts, but but like you know, put in a different way. Uh, and 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 so again, you know, you you've been doing this, you know, like for 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 a, for a you know good time. You've been working on many different social media, uh, and you know there are so many things that on a daily basis changes, right? So like you know the latest one, for instance, a few days ago with TikTok Shop, right? That finally they announced that they're gonna go very big on that. Um, X uh, like now former you know Twitter that are doing so many things. One of the latest like job posting, for instance, right? Uh, and and then there is generative AI for content creators. Again, so many different things. So, um, do you have any suggestions for either other reporters or entrepreneurs, marketers that want to be in the loop of trends, uh, but try not to be you know like uh, crushed in the noise of all newsletters, social media? Like there is so much going on. So do you have any tips and be like, okay, this is how I select in the noise of different things happening daily? Well, first, read my reports. Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is, is cut through some of that noise and, and look at the bigger picture of what's going on. But I think, you know, some advice is to have a few trusted sources. Um, I think the way that we consume the news and the media has become incredibly fragmented and making sure that there are a few voices or a few publications that you can turn to um, that really give you what you need to know and in a smart and intelligent way is is number one. I think also understanding that sometimes these small changes relate to bigger trends um, and sometimes they don't. And I think for me, the ones that I'll follow are ones where I say, okay, um, this one thing happened, for example, the launch of, of TikTok shop. What is it related to in the bigger scheme of things? What is going on within social media? How much does this actually matter? And that helps me to answer the question of, you know, is this something that I should pursue? And as you know, Alessandro, I've been pretty vocal about TikTok shop because I do think social commerce is still it's very much uncharted territory here in the U.S. and um, something that's still up for grabs and will be a really interesting battle to watch play out. And what do you think, like, you know, uh, also, like, again, social commerce has a lot of opportunities and, and potential, you know, in China, Indonesia and other countries have been, like, you know, a, a big thing for ages. Uh, is there anything that you think, uh, like, you know, what is missing um, in your opinion, based primarily on the data and insights that you got so far? Well, so social commerce, I mean, it, 
it gets dismissed quite a lot, right, um, as something that just really hasn't taken off in the U.S., and that's not exactly right. Um, from all the data that I've seen, there are plenty of people who are shopping and even buying from social media, but they may not necessarily be doing that directly on the platform. So what we see is that people are, you know, clicking on links, they're going to retailer sites and, and completing the purchases there. And then in the case of TikTok and, you know, um, that kind of shopping, you'll see that even sometimes those purchases will, will take place in stores later. So it's this sort of discovery-based shopping, which I think is very different from sort of the online shopping experience that has been shaped by Amazon, where you're really showing intent to purchase. You kind of know what you want to buy um, before you go onto that platform. And I think one of the reasons that, you know, social commerce has been sort of not necessarily grown to the levels that we've seen in other countries, and I don't know that it, it ever really truly will or needs to to be successful, is just that we have established habits. We also have established relationships with retailers. And consumer behavior is really difficult to change. I think what's in one of the things that's working in TikTok's favor is not only that it has this strong roadmap and, and resources in China, um, but also because it caters to a younger audience. You know, uh, many of their users are Gen Z and their retailer loyalties and shopping habits aren't fully formed yet. They're also incredibly inspired by, by trends, by FOMO. And that's the kind of thing that, that TikTok really inspires and that I think will turn it into or could turn it into um, a discovery-based shopping platform, which we really haven't seen um, quite yet. Absolutely. No, great analysis. I think that the discovery is going to be very crucial. Um, you know, like, for instance, for me, it's still a bit of a mystery why Instagram removed, uh, you know, the, the, the tab, for instance, because uh, just these days I wanted to check on something and I was not, it was not that easy for me to go. Uh, and look for a product while on TikTok, basically it's very easy. And now they also have the affiliate program. So basically like right influencers can e even just like make money without a brand deal, but just talking about a product that they like and people can click on a link and still buy. And so it's a win-win for everyone, right? The, the influencer makes money uh, or the content creator, right? The, the audience can get, maybe get a discount and the brand is selling more. So I can see the push, but I but I also do agree with you that it's still missing many different points that are, be, you know, to, to become what it is in other countries and very curious to see if it, it will ever get to that point we don't know right uh so 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 i'm very curious about that well one of the reasons social commerce has has grown to be so big in china in particular is also to do with live shopping which is something that tiktok is you know trying trying to push i mean live live commerce is not a mainstream or regular activity by any means in the u.s I'm I'm a little skeptical of of whether it ever will be. I do think that there are some use cases, particularly for you know exclusive product launches, uh, sort of lifestyle brands, D 2 C brands, you know, ones that are really geared toward toward younger audiences and and generate that kind of that kind of FOMO. No, I do agree hundred percent. I think up until we will not have like gamification happening in live streaming uh, and incentives uh, could be uh, you know uh, big discounts. It could be. Uh, drop collection, anything like that. Uh, it doesn't really make sense for someone in the U.S. to spend an hour of their time during the day, right? Just to like hope to get something. While again, in China, you have like all these things happening at the same time, and that's why they they they, they want to go live streaming to buy. Like the, the the intent is very big in China, right? When it comes to uh, products from cheap things to luxury products, so people buying things like very expensive 
doing a live streaming. That was quite fascinating to see. And uh, so, so you mentioned before about your records, right? Uh, uh, how, how many how many do you write per per quarter? Do you have like a quota? Like sometimes do you have like or uh, there are too many to feel like how many do you usually write per per yeah like per year or quarter? Per year, it usually ends up being around twelve to fifteen, um, but it, it depends. And not all of these are you know very long or incredibly long reports. I do write some shorter reports as well, but I think that's probably around the range of. of reports that I write yearly. And, and uh, one of the latest ones that you publish is about the state of influencer market, right? In 2023. Uh, of course, I'm very interested in that. I had a, like, you know, they pick off some of the data, but uh, what are some of the most interesting funding? And is there anything that either shocked you or something you were like not really expecting from, from this year looking at data and, and insights? Yeah, and I think this is a great example of, of how my stories start with the data, right? So, of course, I'd been, you know, hearing a lot about what's going on within the creator economy, how that relates to the Hollywood strikes, et cetera, et cetera. But we had a new forecast coming out um, on influencer marketing spending. And I started looking at the numbers. And what I realized was that influencer marketing spending was going to outpace social ad spending by 3.5 times this year. So marketers are going to increase their investments in influencer marketing by 14% per our forecast versus just 4% for um, social ad spending. So that really got me thinking about, okay, what is going on and how does this all relate to each other? And that really formed the basis of this report, which is arguing not only are, um, or arguing that their marketers are finding creators to be more and more important to their strategies, but at the same time, creators are also rising in their own power um, and moving into different revenue streams, monetization models, as well as off of social media, which has a big impact on the way that marketers, media companies, and, and social platforms can work with them. I can see that like we are going to the next level when it comes to influencer marketing. Before 10 years ago, we're just like, you know, these brand deals, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, hundred dollars here, here you go, just put something about it. And now it's all about tracking. It's all about like, you know, ROI analysis and so on. So let, let's break down one of some of the things that you just said. So first of all, about, you know, paid media versus influencer marketing. So is there any other data there? Are you seeing anything such as are, are like, you know, combination of those together? Or are you seeing mostly like just a shift? Because for instance, for us, we have been seeing like, you know, influencer marketing as organic. And in addition to that, it's also like a lot of amplification of paid media. Uh, are you seeing the same? Are you seeing something different, uh, different stories there? What I'm seeing is that at this point, most um, creator campaigns will include um, paid media amplif amplification. Um, so that is a huge trend. And that also means that creator content is a driving force behind social ad spending altogether, right? So these two are definitely inter interrelated. Um, on the on the other side of things, I mean, what the other interesting point was is that we're seeing this trend across platforms. So it's not only total influencer marketing spending that is outpacing total social ad spending on every single platform we track, whether that's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, um, and Snapchat. The same trend is there. Influencer marketing spending on those platforms is growing faster than than social ad spending on those uh, on those platforms. And to me, like thinking about what's happened over the past couple of years and all of the, the struggles with, with social ad spending, whether that has to do with the economy, whether that has to do with Apple's privacy changes, 
it's really a sign that creators are incredibly resilient. They're flexible. Um, and marketers are really starting to value those partnerships. But the next step is then understanding that they're bigger than those sponsorships on social media. And, and because they are bigger than that, you already mentioned about like different revenue streams. Do you have any data on that? Like, are you noticing like, because of course, brand deals are bringing usually the most, right? But uh, what is then after? Is it like merchandising? Is it media licensing? Is it uh, um, like, you know, selling courses? Have you, have you found anything that is working well for influencers these days? Well, I just pulled some up while you, while you asked about it. Okay. But, so sponsored content, um, primarily on social media, is still the number one revenue stream for most creators. So I'm looking at some data from Maverick here that shows that 82% of, okay. of creators earned income through sponsored content. But the interesting thing here is that that is down from 91% in, in 2022 or 2021, excuse me. At the same time, we've seen affiliate grow to 56% of creators earning income um, from 47% in 2021. And ad revenue is the third way that creators or the third biggest way that creators earn income. And that has also grown to 33% this year, up from 18% in 2021. So you can see that sponsored content is still the number one way creators are earning money, but they are diversifying their revenue streams um, and becoming less reliant on that as as they do. Uh, interesting also for the like when you said that they now down now that one that like you know, grew a lot is the um, uh, like advertisement, right? So they they I'm pretty sure we're talking about like what, CPM models, like revenue sharing, uh, that type of thing. Uh, are we referring? So this advertising revenue, I spoke to Maverick, actually, this is direct advertising revenue, meaning like a display ad on a blog or on a newsletter. Okay. Ad revenue sharing is then in, is different, though I have seen in other data sets that ad revenue sharing has has grown um, significantly. Um, mm. But I, I don't have that data on hand right okay, now. Okay, okay. No, no, I was just curious because, again, you know, I've been seeing now, of course, you know, TikTok with a new fund that is helping also to get in like, you know, the top... Uh, uh, you know, like, you know, the top videos getting also a cut of the of that. YouTube, of course, has been the first one with the CPM model since the beginning of time, right? Instagram was was introduced, something like that. So I was curious to see also what was happening there. Um, anything else that you find fascinating or or interesting from from your report? Uh, uh, because again, we covered the, on the brand side, we covered on the influencer side, but is there anything else that you find, uh, uh, again, interesting there? I think on, on the media side of things, this is something that I, I am really passionate about because one trend that I've been seeing, again, big picture, um, and it's really just the time that people are, are spending on, on TikTok, right? And what we are predicting um, is that by 2025, time spent on TikTok annually is going to surpass Facebook. Um, and it's already surpassed Instagram. So that got me to think about, you know, okay, why? What's going on? We all know these videos are addictive, of course, and people spend a ton of time scrolling. Um, but what is it about it? And I started thinking about it and came to the conclusion that it's because people, especially young people, consider that a new form of entertainment, right? That's how they are going to, to be entertained. And then I started thinking about how that relates to what's going on in terms of the Hollywood strikes and, and what, if anything, creators have to gain from that. Um, and what I started to notice was, and we ran a couple of studies, was that social media creator content isn't going to be a replacement for 
um, scripted TV, for example. Mm -hmm. But there is a growing opportunity for media companies to incorporate creator content into, for example, their streaming services or to have creators star in some scripted shows because consumers are interested, young consumers at least, are interested in that. And if you think about all of the, the struggles that have been going on within the streaming business, um, that could be a new way to breathe some new life into those challenged businesses and, you know, potentially offer a new value proposition, especially as, as streaming prices rise. Absolutely. And also because a lot of influencers and content creators, they, I mean, I don't know if many, but some of them, they surely start with social media because it's an easier way just to get mm -hmm. made known. But the final goal is to be on TV on a TV show in, you know, in Hollywood and so on, like, you know, or, or just acting career, right? Or uh, some of them, maybe they start with like, you know, they want to become singers and be signed by a music label. The only way for them to be noticed is thanks to, let's say, TikTok, right? So even if they maybe don't like, you know, it, it, sometimes it's plants, that is not plant, right? As a thing, but it's, uh, I think, interesting that both uh, they have to find a way, right? For influencers to maybe get to even a bigger audience and get paid with other type of contracts. And also, as you correctly said, like, you know, media, they had to innovate, right? Because they had to understand that people want to see something that is different. And sometimes you can also just reduce the cost, right, of production because you go from a, a big crew of like, you know, hundreds of people, maybe just with a small group of five people that can get sometimes the same quality of content, right? Even uh, better sometimes. So it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. And that's such a good point that you brought up about social media. I mean, the end goal for a lot of creators today isn't to be necessarily just on social media. You know, they could yeah, exactly. be wanting to be on TV, you know, be in Hollywood, start their own business, be an investor, entrepreneur. There are so many different paths that they can they can take. It truly has become a career path. And that's what I mean when I say creators are bigger than social media. But it, and I'd like to also say that we're getting to this point where the social platforms need creators more than creators need them. And at the same time, though, I think it's important to remember how incredibly um, valuable the social media platforms have been in building the creator economy. I mean, they truly democratized content creation and gave creatives a, a way to monetize. So it really has, you know, is still an incredibly valuable tool and valuable platform but as creators grow in their importance and grow in their businesses, they're really starting to diversify outside of that as well. And because of this that you just said, right, that social media, they need like, you know, content creators and social media are trying to win them over, right? With new features and, you know, and be like, you know, just showing them on and be like, hey, we, we actually can help you in growing and so on. What, what is happening uh, on social media, like in, let's say in the past couple of years? Uh, again, you know, like I know that for you as a reporter, it's difficult to say it's bad, it's good because it's always based on that. But based on the data, right, and the insight that you are seeing, um, what, what type of era of social media are we living in right now? I think we're nearing sort of an inflection point, or at least there's this there's this tension, right? And we started to talk about this a little bit earlier, but you know, I think there's a lot of uh, um, observers, a lot of people out there who like to say that social media is dead. Um, there's so many obituaries of social media that I've read online over the past couple of months, and they all cite, you know, the same reasons. It's Facebook's decline, the mess at Twitter, um, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those things are true. There are a lot of problems within social media. 
But it definitely isn't dead. All of the platforms per our forecast at Insider Intelligence are still adding users, right? But what we are seeing is an evolution and a devolution. So there's kind of these two opposing um, but parallel paths. And one is this idea of social media being entertainment that's being driven by you know, creators and by TikTok. And the other is this devolution toward more private messaging where things are just happening in group chats and DMs. And I think that's what's been really fascinating for me to watch. And it's hard to say whether it's good or bad. I think from a marketer and advertiser angle, it's scary to see that that, you know, shift more into private messaging because those tend to be spaces that they can't participate in. Um, but for consumers, I think it's a needed shift because there have been um, a lot of issues um, on on some of these social media platforms, just thinking about in terms of misinformation, you know, mental health, um, where they may not want to be broadcasting so publicly. Interesting. No, absolutely. And and and, and still on these, uh, again, I, I ask it like majority of my questions, but is there anything that I didn't ask you uh, that you are either like, you know, very bullish on something that you're like looking at, uh, following closely, closely, uh, more than other things. So there's several things. I think one that one area of social media that I'm really fascinated in and that I'm following really closely is social search. Um, I think that's a whole new frontier that we've hardly tapped into yet. Um, and it's also an area where, you know, the behavior is still pretty fragmented. Um, for a lot of behaviors, we have our established platforms. Um, and that's one where it's maybe not quite as clear. Um, and the same with shopping. Um, if you've read any of my recent LinkedIn posts, you know I'm pretty vocal on TikTok shop. So that's one thing I'm following. And I'm also trying to sort of reframe the, the debate with, with Amazon versus TikTok. Um, I, I believe that they are two different types of shopping experiences and not as much in competition as people believe. But I think those are, those are the two, two biggest trends that I'm, I'm keeping a very close eye on right now besides what we've already talked about. Very interesting. Yeah, the social social, absolutely. I think it's going to be uh, even bigger because, I mean, uh, even myself sometimes I'm like, okay, best place to eat in whatever, you know, in a city. And you just find a bunch of videos that they tell you where yeah. to go, what to eat. You can save it. You can like, usually add it to maybe a Google Maps place. I add the link yeah. to the TikTok. So when I go there, I can order whatever, you know, because it, it was so, so that one, I think is going to be very interesting. And I saw already like people selling courses about like SEO for TikTok, like how to get your position better there. So I think it's, uh, it's very interesting there. I, 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 have you noticed anything specific? Like, do you think that, uh, are there any, uh, social media that are particularly working on that? I mean, of course, TikTok is doing that, but, uh, are you seeing any others working on that right now? Yes. So we actually released a report. It was written by one of my colleagues um, that dug really deeply into social search and all of the changes that have been happening there. I mean, TikTok just recently released um, ads in, in, in search. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the latest move that, I, that I've seen. Um, but if you look at, you know, the development of sort of how advertising or search advertising in particular has developed on, on social media, I mean, Facebook or Meta is is pretty far ahead in all of that. Um, and it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of search behavior happening on Instagram. Um, 
for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. There's also a ton of search behavior happening on on TikTok. Um, and YouTube is another one that actually came from a survey that we conducted recently. A lot of Gen Z are, are searching on YouTube. And that was a little bit surprising to me because we always hear about TikTok in particular when it comes to search. But I'm, it makes sense, right, for YouTube. I mean, like after Google, what is it? The second mm-hmm. search engine, right? So, and it makes sense, right? Because you, it, YouTube started, uh, you know, not just, just for entertainment, but a lot of the how-to and tutorials videos are there. So even, I don't know if that happened to you, but for myself, sometimes if I have to fix something, it would be with my computer or something leaking at home or whatever. I, I just go and sometimes Googling things is not enough. You want to see someone teaching you how to do things. So it makes sense, right, on, on why people also start looking at that and uh, and there is a lot of SEO already, like, you know, happening on, on YouTube, right? So it does make sense. Um, amazing. Um, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me today to share, like, all this information. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're going to, like, you know, come out with some other very interesting reports. So for people that want to follow you, so you said that you're on LinkedIn and, you know, like, you, you met, like, you know, you, you of course, publish different reports, but... Uh, where, where are the best places for people to learn more about yourself and find all the resources that you usually publish? On my LinkedIn page is probably the best place um, to to learn that. Many of my reports are are clients only, um, mm-hmm. but if you do want to check out some of the, the work that I've written, it's insiderintelligence.com and you can search for me and my reports will appear. Fantastic. Amazing. And uh, nothing on Twitter or is it uh, primarily LinkedIn? Uh, how do you look at Twitter these days? <laughs> I am on Twitter and I've been on Twitter for a very long time. I've never really been good at posting myself on Twitter. Um, I, I mean, I follow and, and consume a lot of Twitter content and have um, for years, but you can follow me there. I'm Jasmine A. Enberg, I, I believe. Um, and but I, I don't post as much there as I do on other platforms. I totally get it. It's the same for me. LinkedIn, I'm actively there. Uh, on Twitter, I'm one of those people just looking around. I'll work for Exactly. But I post maybe once in a while. And usually it's a reshare of our main page. So yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Uh, Jasmine, again, thank you so much. This was uh, uh, fantastic for like you know, sharing all your knowledge with us uh, and the audience today. Uh, this was the another episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory, and I'll see you next.